0: What is the benefits of you being in a Tier 2 city like Ahmedabad, people would love to understand?
1: So all those things which appear to be challenges for us when we started the organization turned out to be benefits actually. Starting from a very small fund, it is a very regular norm for people, not raising A, B cities and so on. They start from a small fund and go frugal about it. That helped. Second, uh, talent. People here are hungry for hard work, which is rare to find. They tend to learn the hard way, which gives the maximum benefit to an organization. And they never have the chance to get recognized. That helps us. Being a small startup, all the team leads basically running their own small companies here. So that created a culture where people had a lot of ownership and that team building was very helpful for us. So I think those two things really helped us coming from a tier two city, which were looking like a bad place to be in back in 2013-14 when we started.
0: Hello guys, um, welcome everyone to yet another uh, edition of uh, SaaS podcast. Um, they're doing this uh, deep dive podcast for more than a year now. I think we have met 15 different founders and uh, today we have a unique combination. We have uh, Ankit and Suhasani um, who are joining us. This is the very first time we are doing uh, a dual founder in the show. Um, pretty excited and um, Ankit is also so special to me because uh, I worked with both of them. Outside the uh, outside the scope of this podcast, uh, as uh, friends, customers,
2: <laughs>
0: uh, right? So, so that's uh, that's nice. Um, happy to have you both. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Suresh. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. All right.
0: So the way we do this is uh, we tend to. This is the season two, right? The season two is really we go deep on a particular, the hypothesis is that every startup uh, who's made it reasonably to certain size and scale has some formula that's working for them. Right. And like, for example, for some companies, it could be inbound marketing, some companies, it could be something else like uh, like events, for example, or some could be, it could be partner strategies probably working. So, or, some company could be completely built on um, a product led marketing. So instead of generally talking about a lot of different topics, we wanted to talk um, deep about one aspect or one or two aspects that actually made the company where it is today. So that's why it's called a Deep Dive Podcast um, on on one or two aspects. And of course, we have a much larger uh, generic understanding as well. But uh, but the goal is that. So we always start off with basically letting you guys uh, describe your company for the first uh, two three minutes, so that the audience get an idea about who you are, what you do, what the what who's your customer kind of stuff. That sets the baseline for us and for the audience to go for from there. Okay, sure. Uh, so uh, the company we run is called
2: App Simple and we run two products in the same company. One is called Software Service, the other one is uh, CallHippo. Uh, software suggest is a software discovery and recommendation platform. We help organizations find the right software and call hippo is a virtual phone system. We help,
0: with colipo, we help organizations uh, make more calls. We <laughs> make more calls and this call, call hippo is more like... Um, um, what is this? Um, I forgot this company. Uh, what are those two competitors that are there? Like they merge together, right? Oh. Uh,
2: Exotel and Amio, is it?
0: Yeah. Is it like Exotel?
2: No. Or so like,
0: uh, Exotel, OzoneTel, uh, those kind of companies, right? Is it like that or?
2: So the target audience is same, but uh, from my understanding, Exotel and Amio are more focused on in the indian market we are more global so we uh, we have indian customers but most of our customers are actually making calls to us uk canada australia not uh, so it's not india to india calls uh, that's how we are different the technology is also a little different we have everything on the cloud they are they have some portion most of their revenue comes from on premise
0: uh, software okay so so I, I think it's going to be a little difficult to focus on both the products in this call yeah that's okay right? we're going to focus primarily okay. on call hippo i'm assuming yeah, yeah. No problem. <laughs> right. so
1: that, that works yeah so that will be better,
0: better. Uh, so like i was just looking at uh, call hippo website right, right. Uh, um let me let me pull it up uh, of course by the way when i search for call hippo in sponsored advertisement uh, exotel comes just okay
1: <laughs> that is a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah so so from the from the sorry like let me go to the home page okay so so i'm just trying to understand from the home page and all of that is this like a product-led business or is it like a inside sales business or is it like you have um Field sales, or is it like a hybrid, or how how do you describe uh, this business? So, Suresh, uh, the entire
2: organization has been built around digital marketing and inbound marketing. So, uh, right. uh, the our, our first product, I and mean, we are we going to talk more about uh, uh, Qualipo, but this is how it comes from. So, uh, software software is a more inside sales, inbound led uh, digital marketing product. And uh, whatever learning we had in software, in learning software changes, we just picked that up and applied it to Call Hippo, and that is why Call Hippo is also more
0: of a uh, uh, inside uh, inbound inside marketing, marketing product, marketing combination. In, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, like I know you were doing software suggest, but then what triggered going into uh, Call Hippo? Because is there a domain knowledge? Because uh, it is telephony, right? Telephony is typically by yeah. some more hardcore engineering. Uh, Skill set and stuff like that, which is not like
1: so. So it's not a so. We are both non-tech founders here, so that was not uh, one of the push points. So uh, tech is something uh, see, we, we both didn't understand tech, so it didn't come from there.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm uh, trying to understand why. It's like it, it makes sense to go uh, build like a CRM product or something like that, where you can at least you know have some commonsensical way of comprehending the requirements, technical, technology stuff, right? But it's, uh, Call Keeper is like deep telephony, right? And this is like like systems level programming, telecom interfaces, and they'll talk about protocol and switching, itching and all these uh, right. all sorts of jargons, right? Which we can't uh, understand anything. So why, why this?
2: I'll tell you where it comes from. So, uh, and again, it goes back to software service. So we started software services in 2014 and we don't understand anything of technology. I have, we did not have any experience of working in a startup. We did not have money. So all the money, which we had was $25,000, 18 lakh rupees. And uh, we said that if we burn this 18 lakh rupees, we are going to go back to the pharma family business. So my, my family runs a pharmaceutical business, I said, I'll go back to this. And when we started software sales, we said that, uh, we want to do something, which is not very risky. So, uh, so we said uh, let's so and software sales is more like a content marketing block kind of a uh, thing so we said let's do something which does not involve technology and let's just focus on becoming profitable so we don't have to go back to the pharma business and then uh, and then when we when we wanted to do something in uh, uh sas which is another story and I mean uh, so so uh, avinash Raghav who runs uh movie for people who don't know uh like what we were doing in software service. and he forced us to come to SAS, sas x2 yes it was called sas x2 then i saw girish and it was in some uh 150 people i think and i think you were also there and it was under in the underground thing uh, in, in the basement of a hotel i don't remember the hotel but i saw girish there for the first time i was like mesmerized by whatever girish was telling he was telling that uh, he said that he built the organization from india uh, for a global audience and I had not heard of this ever and that was 2015 I think 14 or 15 and that's when I said I we want to do something in SaaS now uh, software service ba- was profitable by this time and uh, but this time we said let's because because we did not take a technology risk uh, last time when we were starting software systems this time we said let's do something which is very high tech and has a very big market we started looking for it and we found that uh, call it was like very high tech and it has a bigger market size than what uh, CRMs have and uh, so we tried to do something which was very opposite and uh, that's why we uh, started call it. So, and we did not understand much. We did not understand there is switching and all those things. We just said we will do something and something should happen.
0: Uh, so do you, do you have a, like a, a CTO or a technology Team, because this is a little bit more hardcore technology. Did you just hire, or do you have somebody in the founding team to to tackle that situation? How is that?
2: Yeah. So, uh, so we have a CTO. We don't have a tech co-founder, but we of course have a CTO. We have uh, so we have a member in the founding team who has been there with us uh, since the very start. And we have a member uh, in the founding team who had written the first line of Call it more, and that's how we sustain. I mean, we don't have a tech co founder, but uh, without a good founding team, it is not possible to create a tech product.
0: How, how big is the Call Keeper team? We have about uh,
2: 75 people.
0: And what is the tech versus uh, marketing versus sales? We
2: have a very small tech team, we have only about uh, 12 members in tech i think most of the team members are either in marketing or sales uh, we have we have a bigger uh, uh, sales team we have about 25 members in sales uh, about i think 10 12 in marketing 10 12 in support uh, i mean uh, hr uh, uh, team support which is uh, hr and finance etc
0: sure 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 so Like you talked about Call being when compared to Exotel or Ozontel. Ozontel also, I think they're, uh, I thought they're also mostly global. I thought, Uh, I don't know. Um, It's been a while since I have been talking to them. Uh, So if you look at those uh, companies, you said like you're primarily uh, India uh, company made for global, right? Which essentially asked me like, what is your primary global market? Like for example, if you take this flow, right? Hmm. Uh, we have four uh, percent or five percent of our revenues come from India. Okay. So ninety-five percent of our revenues, uh, from an E.R.A. standpoint, comes from global. I think around forty percent from U.S. Uh, around uh, 20 percent, twenty-five from Europe, and another twenty percent from Asia Pacific. Uh, regions other than India something like that if you tally all of that you get 100% so give us some characteristics of um, where does the customer segment come from
2: so we have similar numbers Suresha about 40% of our revenue comes from US and then uh, US UK Canada Australia India are our top market uh, but the interesting part here is that we did never build for India, and we never thought that we would sell it to Indian customers. But for some reason, we have about twenty percent of our revenue also coming from India, uh, and that is primarily because India has a lot of SaaS companies, call centers, which actually uh, do offshoring work from the uh, yeah. from the Indian uh, from India for the global market, and that is why we have a lot of uh, Indian customers.
0: Mm. Okay, got it. So, um, since you talked about primarily uh, inbound marketing, when you said inbound marketing, see the uh, as you said, um, this business is bigger than CRM. When you have a market that is that big, there will also be huge competition. Right. So when you say talking competition and you're using inbound marketing, there is primarily your sources, two sources that has actually worked for us. think still works for us. Is just SEO as well as uh, pay Google AdWords, right? These are yeah. the two number one and number two channels,
1: but right. all of them are
0: keyword based and the kind of keywords that you are looking at will be very highly competitive and highly optimized for SEO and difficult to get to number one position and all of that, right? So how do you tell us about your inbound journey? Because I'm assuming you will primarily focus on uh, the two things that I think probably made your companies about the inbound marketing and then the inside sales, these are, these are, these two things are the crux of the growth for right. uh, people. Right. right. So we'll, we'll go deeper in these two dimensions.
2: So, uh, we are mostly marketing led. So when we talk about inbound marketing, inbound sales, so sales is playing, uh, sales is actually helping marketing close deals, but we are primarily marketing led and with respect to keywords. So when we were doing the Suresh, we did not understand so much, uh, we had done software suggest and we were ranking on almost all top keywords in software suggest. And we did not understand so much about keyword. So that was 2017 and we did not understand so much about keyword volume and how, how competition is difficult. We did not think that it is going to be very competing. We did not even know the number of competitors we had in 2017. It was only after six months, seven months of doing marketing. And, uh, uh, after we got our, uh, probably after 100th hundred customer, we started understanding the landscape better. Uh, so, uh, uh, so uh, if you did not think so much, that is why we could actually do it.
0: Okay. Uh, so you're saying, um, like the keywords, but you know that when you try to do SEO, when you try to do paid marketing, you will be anyway hit by, um, these real-time problems right because the the bid volumes will be high all the keywords are already taken competitors are bidding for higher uh, you know prices and you know what within inbound what source actually worked for you really well and how did okay, you so overcome the, uh, these practical problems right okay so the early days we
2: were only doing search engine optimization we did not do any search engine marketing so uh, okay. It was only in 2019 or 2020 we actually started, early 2020 we actually started uh, search engine uh, performance marketing. Everything was search engine optimization and search engine optimization is not that very expensive. Even today I think if uh, you can actually go ahead and create a good quality of content you might be able to rank uh, better than the other platform. But I remember in 2017 uh, 18 uh, there were a lot of, even Ring Central who is one of our top competitors were actually copying our SEO strategy. So, uh, because we were doing a lot of SEO, so software sales has been an SEO product, everything runs around SEO. We were doing a lot of SEO, we could actually understand how to rank our pages on top on Google and that actually helped us. The entire experience of software sales actually helped us to rank on Google in the early days of CallHippo. Then, in 2020, we started uh, uh, search engine marketing. Now about thirty uh, percent of our revenue comes from pro- performance, and uh, uh, it, I think it's not very difficult. I mean, uh, most uh, about I mean we might have about hundred plus uh, competitors, but most of them don't understand how search engine work. Uh, they don't have the patience to understand how search engine work. So even for our performance marketing, it took us about one and a half years to become profitable, and uh, there was a lot of learning curve most organizations don't have the patience for that. And if, if people have the patience for that, I think they will be able to beat us or beat any other competitor. Yeah. And the reason why,
1: if I, if i may yeah. if I may add to yeah. that, if I may add to that, I think being bootstrapped and frugal and having a limited fund, helped us, crack seo better because uh, we 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 did not did not have funds to go full on in google paid ads and uh, get the search volumes and get the traffic from there so we knew we had this amount of fund and we need to do seo so that push really helped us to understand seo better and to understand that this will take time to get the patience so today what what we find so if if a if a founder understands the patience game in seo i think that is a win-win and that is what cracked in Software suggest and helped us in the initial days of call uh, CallHipCo.
0: This sounds like exactly the same story as KissFlow. No, we we, yeah. we never spent on uh, performance marketing for one and a, uh, two to three years, actually. We didn't have money, simply. I think the first two years, definitely we didn't spend. Uh, so only did SEO. Um and one of the reasons, you know, you get copied a lot is because in startups, founders work closely with the SEO strategy because it's a primary. It, that's what used to happen for us. Also, the bigger companies there are employees were working, right? So for them, it's a job. So, and then they look at, it's not like the founder of a bigger company is working on and the founder of RingCentral is working on the SEO strategy, right? But in, in the case of Calipo, you will probably monitor that what's happening. So the kind of quality right. of ideas that. Can come from a startup is quite high quite good and hence the employees on the bigger companies they may be having a mo- much uh, lower skill sets right so they simply copy it and then it looks like the bigger company is copying from us but but right. in reality, it is, uh, yes. so
1: we are very marketing driven uh, organization in both the products so you that is why call hippo being a very high tech product we so you ask the question that how many tech tech uh, what is the t- size of your tech team? You'll always find I think moving down if we get two more products also there also the SEO and marketing team will be the biggest hmm. team size in our in our organization. Sure. Uh, it will always be a play between sales and SEO. That's yeah. It.
0: In in all of my work- workshops, I say like SEO is the most underrated uh, marketing yeah. that the people use. In fact, uh, even recently I said it somewhere. Um, so anyway, coming back, so since you talk a lot about SEO for the audience, you talk also about patience, uh, Suhasini. Uh, you can also give us some color in terms of what is the patience here you're, you're talking about and what kind of investment. So is it like three months patience or three years patience or one year patience? What is that scale? So that you know people know, hey, uh, this is what I need to plan for if I'm a founder.
1: So I think you also know that it can never be defined. So if if a person is coming in your team and he's telling, I'll do SEO for three months and then you'll see the traffic, wrong person to hire. Don't do that. It is never a time game. It is a time game, but you cannot identify for the product that this product, this type of product will take six months of SEO and then you'll see the traction coming. So I think it, it depends a lot of, a lot on how, how uh, aggressive you are to start experiment to keep experimenting new things and how patient you are to get the results coming. So patience comes only from the perspective of not expecting of using a software, uh, a very good SEO software and seeing the results from tomorrow. So you'll have to understand how it comes. So I don't think there's a right right, uh, answer to it whether it's a two-month game or two-year game.
0: Yeah. I, I, let me, uh, since I also come from a solid uh, SEO background, I'll add my two cents here just for the audience. A um, couple of years ago, I used to still be, even now, once in a quarter, I look at what SEO team is doing, right? So right now they are running right. one, two projects on SEO, which I'm, I know what they're doing. So SEO is something very close to my mind, to my heart. Uh, so there was one situation where uh, the the team, the paid marketing team was not willing to let go a page because it was ranking well. But the page looked so not good. And then I was trying to push them, you know, say, oh, no, yeah, you change it. Google will reindex. Don't worry about it. You won't lose anything. Right. So, but then there's always this fear. Uh, they never did it. At one time, I said, okay, if something drops, you blame it on me. Okay, You are not responsible for it. You blame it on me. You go ahead and change it. If, if the traffic drops, it's fine. I'll take the blame. Don't worry. Nobody is going to blame you. Do it. To, to our surprise, it hardly took three weeks to regain the same place or even better place. In fact, The theory uh, that I always tell um, my SEO team is that don't optimize for Google, but optimize for human beings. See, Google is actually optimizing for human beings consistently, right? Because what is their, their customer? Their customers are humans who are looking for information and they need to get the correct information. So if you also do the same thing, you write your content, keeping humans in mind. What makes sense for the humans and google is always trying to do that
1: right and this is so much more relevant now so this line that optimize for humans not for google is actually so much more relevant now after the last six or uh, three months whatever has come whatever has happened so it, it becomes much i was going more to talk
0: different. about chat gpt and uh, but, you know we'll talk more but that is always been my mantra right i always tell this your team Just think, like, how will a human being find your content? Will it it feel appealing? Will it feel relevant? Like, for example, we always use, we had some things like um, some widgets in a page where some uh, conscious interactivity is there, which means the page is interesting. The user is clicking on it and to get some more information and Google, we'll figure out a way to decipher that. And you, it knows, like if this guy is not just searched, but then he interacted with the page, he did something, then that page is going to get a lot more, a uh, lot more ranking. So these smaller things, uh, we even had one thing called visual uh, blog. We called one type of blog called visual blog. A visual blog is something that is not just text, right? Because it's very hard right. to, today we will just mostly glance. Yeah. So these things really helped us a lot. I was just looking to know, like, what kind of such stories uh, or other that work for you that our audience can uh, benefit from. We
2: actually learned it the hard way, Sudesh When we started doing it in two thousand fourteen, we were actually optimizing for Google, and we were we could get like we get amazing results optimizing for Google. So we used the same pillar and silo model. We did not understand we were using the pain pillar and silo model, but our content quality was like pathetic we will create uh, uh, 20 articles on uh, uh, let's say accounting software and uh, immediately start planting ranking we thought we were king and we were we i went on to say that we are the best uh, team seo team in the entire country also but then google came back to us in uh, like <laughs> in 2020 we got a hit uh, we suffered for about. We took about one year. It was two thousand twenty or twenty one. Yeah, twenty one January two thousand. I still remember the date. Twenty six January two thousand twenty one. uh, We got hit, and uh, last one year we have been struggling. But uh, after one year we started understanding what you uh, are now telling. From writing for Google and doing things for Google for the last eight months, about we are uh, we are doing things for human. Uh, trying to add. Trying to see how it is going to make it better for human beings to actually read. And we have seen phenomenal results. So yeah. we are, now we are at one of our like peak traffic and peak, uh, uh, both in called call Ipo and, uh, one of the, like last one, we did the best revenues because of all the traffic, which we got, uh, now we are trying to understand that you are supposed to only write for humans, mm-hmm. Google will decode whatever uh, you have written.
0: Yeah, because they are, see, both of us have the same goal. Yeah which is you write good content for our customers and they also have the same goal, find the good content for their customers and give it to them. Right. So, so both Correct. of our goals are the same. So yeah. why optimize for Google?
2: Yeah. Uh, Ultimately, if you're not, if you're writing for Google, and Google's objective is if, if the content quality is good, people are going to keep coming back on Google and, uh, overall yeah. the value for that organization increases. Yeah. So, uh, that is why Google is also optimizing only for humans and not, uh, they're not trying to play around or fool around.
0: Yeah. So the, the, the second question, um, and I want to go a little deeper on this is that what kind of uh, traffic to sign up, because you talked about inbound marketing inside sales model, which is very similar to the model that we had around four years ago. Like now we changed it uh, quite a bit. Now, you're no longer a full-fledged inbound and inside sales model company. Okay. We have field sales, um, our inside sales, uh, targets, for this year is only uh 15 percent of our overall revenue wow. targets so we okay. we have gone different model now 15 20 percent
1: that is good news for us at yeah. least
0: <laughs> we, yeah. we are trying
2: to do that today
0: now yeah so we will talk about that uh, separately we have not yet fully successful yet but we are very optimistic about the transition uh so but then four years ago it was not uh, it was same right four years ago same mm. as what we are doing so we are, we measure something like um, uh, visitor to sign up ratio is one of the metrics Correct. that we measure, and then uh, it'll be good if you can walk us through what you're seeing and what customer, uh, other founders should expect. And from visitor, we have a lot of junk signups. I remember that number is fifteen to twenty percent. So if you hundred mm-hmm. people sign up. 20% are like students that there's some all sorts of nonsense, some spam email IDs, some competitors trying to use spam email IDs and signing up and all of that stuff. Right. So, so 20% is gone out of the hundred and then there's 80%. And then the 80% we split into, we have like this, uh, concept called, um, like, uh, uh, like apples, Right, if you go in a basket of apples, The sales team is looking for the ripe apple, like a red one. But then if you buy a basket of apple, you basically get the red apples and then the green ones and then the semi red ones. And we get leads in all sorts of forms, right? So we have a a ranking algorithm which separates out uh, in a basket of these 80 leads that you got out of 100, what are the red ones and give it to the inside sales team. And and then we track uh, closures uh, around that different closures happen because the red one's closure is close to 35 to 40%. The red one's closure is pretty high actually. Uh, so it will be good if you can walk us through what you are seeing in terms of metrics at a very high level uh, to benefit the founders.
2: Okay, So we see about uh, 4% traffic to sign up rate uh, now you'll have to understand that we don't, That's
0: actually we mostly bread, don't, actually we, we saw 3.5 to 4%, maybe even less, sometimes right. um, even it is 2.5.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we have like a, a self sign up, self onboarding thing. And okay. that is why, right. and we,
0: and uh, we know, have, some, we, uh, sorry, uh, kid. Uh, like yeah. how many fields you have in the form?
2: I think we have four, or five fields. So we don't, uh, we don't take Gmail ideas, because You have to put okay. only come. Yeah, you have to put only company ID and telephony is uh, susceptible to fraud. So credit card fraud, people will try to call you up and take your credit card or they will take you, try to take your SSN. And that is why we have phone numbers. Uh, we have phone num- compulsory phone number. We have compulsory email address. And uh, we, we also take company name just to, so we have, uh, we have an algorithm which uh, checks for the company once you sign up. And if it finds fraud, then it will not allow you to sign up or it will block your account as soon as you sign up. That is why we take three or four fields. And with that, we do about uh, 4% of conversion. Uh, but our sign up to conversion is very high. We have uh, we have about 18% sign up to conversion. So uh, 18% people who sign up come inside and verify their email address actually pay us. Uh, again, you'll have to remember that uh, we, we give... So there is no free trial. Uh, um, we give about free trial to only about 50% of the people who sign up. Again, there's an algorithm which checks the quality of company. We'll see if the company is present in crunch ways and there are a couple of databases which we have connected and only if they're connected, we'll give you free trial or else we don't give you free trial because of the fraud thing. It helps us collect credit card details. It helps us collect more details, which ensures that we can prevent fraud if that is about to happen. Uh, ticket size is small, so uh, the average ticket size is fifty dollars. I think the average ticket size on Kislow is much higher than that. Uh, we don't, uh, unlike unlike a Kislow or some other organization, we don't need a team to use the product. You can there can be only one person who is using the product. We don't focus on that. That's not our ICP. But uh, if you have a decent domain and if uh, if your domain rating is good and the certain, if you are if you are able to go through the parameters which you have set, you can sign up, you can start using the product and you can pay us. Uh, we will not spend time on such single user customers, but they do come. And that is why we have such a high 18% uh, conversion rate.
0: Okay. 18% is massive. I'll tell you. <laughs> the reason is uh, when I was doing this uh, in KISS flow, um, we used to benchmark and the best in class companies in this. Is do was doing eight percent. Sign up right. to conversion ratio is eight percent, best in class. I think we were doing sign up to conversion four five percent, not even close to five. I think less than that. Uh, now we don't we really lost touch about those numbers, but eighteen percent is massive. But meaning this is uh, you should write a uh, separate. Uh, big blog on this <laughs> like uh, because it's a massive number actually 18 percent is very very high but the but then the question is uh, like why do you know what is uh Mailchimp's number because it, it, Mailchimp's tickets is also close to 30 40 50 dollars uh, entry level tickets right so since ours was not like that so I don't know maybe uh, it is different because of that we need to look at that 18% is definitely very large.
1: Right.
0: But but the question to ask is what is the churn? Churn is what? also very large. <laughs> so, so churn we... is
1: also very large. Yes. So, so what yeah. I
0: found out was most of the time after some time we started bucketing customers into paid trials rather than actually paying customers. Although they pay us, like in mm. the SMT segment, they pay us they pretty much assume only when they pay we give us like a lot of the features and support and stuff like that so they end up paying for us and those customers that are actually trying they're really not yet ready to become customers so one way for uh, we found out was isolating those numbers into paid trials and not putting into customer segment and then after they cross the, like uh, six months period or whatever it is when they actually start using it then we actually put them in the customer then it makes sense to measure churn Instead of taking everybody as customer and then measuring churn, it's not a fair, uh, fair measurement.
2: We use a similar, we use exactly similar uh, process. uh, And uh, some of our competitors are actually listed and they follow the same process. We don't look at churn in the first 90 days. We we have those reports with us as to how many are churning this month. But uh, then again, uh, uh, like we wait for 90 days for someone to churn and only after 90 days we start considering churn. And and we have a separate uh, uh, category or set of customers, which we call account management customers, which are large customers. So in account management customers, we have very low churn, which is about half a percent. I mean, it comes to about eight to nine percent per year. Uh, that's about it. But in the normal non-account management customers, which we call as velocity uh, sales, uh, we have high churn there. We have about three and a half percent month on month churn in uh, these customers.
0: Yeah, that is a normal like uh, thirty to forty percent churn in the fifty dollars to five hundred dollar right. size is a quite normal pattern. Close to fifty percent also it sometimes happens, but pa- partly because of see in our see for sometimes it is a little skewed, right? If you have a monthly recurring model, in in a way you, you are protected. like so some like for example, we moved fully to annual. So even if a customer pays, the real churn won't know until a year because you know they already paid for the whole year right so so they'll just be keeping it and you know but once we moved away from the uh, from the smb segment we are, we are seeing a different pattern but i just wanted to tell you okay so in, in terms of uh, the team structure for selling this model um describe like say for example we had uh, like a caller person as well as the seller person right so although you as you said in the beginning your sales is basically a fulfillment of marketing it's not like hardcore selling correct Before also it was like that but then we still had different profiles uh, doing the sales handling the sales process tell us about the different profiles that you have uh, so that others can also benefit from that
2: so we have a team which is uh, and we don't use bots for chat. So we have a team about 10 people who are just doing chats on the website and they will try to close very small deals. So if it is one user, two users, they just close on chat. There is no follow-up. All such customers don't go to our CRM, which is HubSpot as of now. And then there are customers who are more than a little team users, like maybe five users, six users. So that goes to a different team. Uh, and that is that is a, a opportunity which goes created in CRM, in our HubSpot uh and then there is a there is a team which we call as smb team and these are customers which will close uh, which will try to close big size deals so that might be more than 50 users uh in total i think we have about uh, these teams so we have the uh, the smb team is small there are only two people in the team and then the leader chat team is the biggest team and then there is the middle team which which tries to close anything which is actual more than five users. That must be about five six people. Okay, um, that's that's the process we follow. We don't travel. We like mean, we have started traveling recently and meeting customers recently. There's no events. We have just done one event. This is the this month we are doing second event. Uh,
0: okay, got it. Um, like you like for example when you get an inquiry, which is not yet. Uh, like people are not hands-on trying when you go to slightly bigger customers or even to sometimes you know people sign up and then they just abandon and do something else right so you need someone to call them and then bring them back into a discussion table do you have those kind of problems or do you handle that or what happens
2: so uh, we have that problem Uh, we have a team which is just calling so this these chat guys who are chatting on the website also make calls so they are supposed to do the entire So they are like uh, uh, pre-SDRs for us, inbound SDRs. So they work like inbound SDRs for us and they will do the qualification as well. If if they find that the lead has some value or they are that red apples, which you are talking about, uh, they will pass it on to the
0: uh, sales guys. Oh, okay. So you do have this calling people and what will Um, be the target for... um... No, I know your starting size is fifty dollars, but what is your typical deal size? Like, is it like a five hundred dollars a month or a two hundred dollars a month? What What is your typical deal size? Like average?
2: No, our starting is not fifty dollars, uh, Suresh. Our starting is eight dollars, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and our average is fifty dollars. We have about four thousand plus customers, but out of that, about three thousand seven hundred are actually small customers. So, when we started, we were not doing. Uh, when we started, we just thought that we will sell at ten dollars and we'll become rich. And then we started learning about churn, and then we realized we cannot keep doing this. Uh, we'll not become rich if we keep selling at ten dollars. We increased our price and put a team in place, which started selling to bigger enterprises. So, but the average still. The, even if we close, like we have customers who are paying us about five hundred k per year, but even if we close like two three customers who are paying us five hundred. Uh, per year because because about three thirty seven hundred people are customers are actually ten dollars the number does not move much it will stay still stay around fifty dollars or maybe go to sixty dollars
0: sixty dollars and um, and hence my question is since you have sales teams uh, like what is your what is their like annual targets like so uh
2: each Sales guide does about four and a half thousand. So if someone is doing four and thousand dollars in a quarter, uh, which is after churn. So uh, if someone churns in the first 90 days, that is not counted.
0: For, uh, uh, four and a half thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, in a quarter. Then mm-hmm. that's supposed to be
0: excellent. They get their incentives. It's like five thousand dollars roughly. Approximately five thousand dollars. That's in a quarter. This is MRR or? MRR, MRR.
1: That's MRR, MRR,
0: MRR. So, which is roughly, uh, from an ARR perspective, 5,000 times uh, 12 is 60K, 60K times 4 is 240K. So, it's like a quarter million target a year. 5,000? Uh, no, it will be 5,000 is a quarter, right? So, uh, 5,000 times... Uh, oh,
2: what? Qu- Five thousand twenty thousand $20,000 in a year. If it's uh, 5,000 in a quarter, it will be $20,000 MRR in a year.
0: Yeah, that is twelve times is two forty k. It's quarter million, right? ARR, two forty k ARR. No, right? Yeah, I am I'm, I'm losing the uh, calculation no, no, it's, so, uh, so it's five thousand
1: for a quarter.
0: Uh-huh. twenty thousand per year.
1: Uh-
0: still twenty thousand is MRR Sorry. per. Yeah, right yeah uh, it, yeah should yeah no no not no, no. yeah that is 12 times yamara is yeah correct it's, correct it's correct, a, correct, a, yeah.
1: correct no correct,
0: no. Correct, yeah, no, correct. No. <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay i've been doing this math for 12 years now so it's <laughs> mm. <laughs> natural uh cool um but that's a that's a decent uh, target uh, that's a sizable goal. Uh, um right. and uh, what is the team like uh is this like a hardcore, where, where do you find this team? Is it like a hardcore sales guys or is it like a it trained internally? Like for example, for our inside sales team, we have a unique problem. Our problem is yeah. we can't just get pure sales guys because kissflow is a little bit of a tech platform. Uh-huh. So you need some technical skills also. So, so I, but we cannot afford pre-sales and sales in, in our SMB inside sales team because that becomes too expensive. There's no ROI. So right. we, train. Uh, we have a training program, which we keep training every year, like 10, 20 people. So who knows technology platform as well as some selling, and then we uh, help them sell like a $5,000 de- deal sizes, right? So I'm just trying to understand in your case, what is the hiring strategy to staff, your team and all of that. So you, you want to go Swasmin?
1: So I think uh, again, uh, coming from uh, be uh, coming from a tier two city, I think that helped initially. It uh, went to our advantage we
0: because uh, the city we, that you guys operate in, and all of that. You're
1: from that. Okay, so we operate from Ahmedabad. 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 Yeah. Yes, we operate from the land of Gujaratis. Mm-hmm. Who knows how to do business? That is mm-hmm. it. So uh, it was like that only. Coming from a tier two city, we we were not able to hire talent from bangalore delhi or the cities like that uh, uh, the um, but the, how it uh, should
0: have been easy right nearer to i uh, i didn't
2: yeah i'll tell you what kind of people we are hiring suresha so we are hiring mostly from call centers uh, where our offices there are a lot of call centers near our office yeah. now and most of these call centers have about two thousand three thousand people people the the guys in the call center do can speak very good English. They they are used to hard working, and uh, they still don't have a lot of recognition. Mm-hmm. Now, when they come to us, they they, they can get that English experience uh, in the organization, and then we train them to do sales, mm-hmm. and that has worked pretty decent for us. And once we had fo- once we have foot in one call center. Okay. Uh, they will actually so so the the our team member will actually attract or get all of their friends like some friends from the call center and that helps uh, build the team for us. So okay. not not experienced sales guy. Most of our team members are not experienced sales guy except the CXOs or the VP level people we have. Most hmm. of them. Training sales
0: enablement, or do you still do the sales enablement? Because when they're not experienced, right? somebody has to do the sales enablement training and you know, looking at their call.
1: So, we also have an in house training program built which is done quarterly. And uh, so, yes, so the uh, uh, whenever a new uh, member joins the sales team, for example, uh, uh, there's a one month rigorous training. In that one month, nobody is supposed to ask him what he's doing. Nobody is supposed to uh, understand what he will uh, contribute. So, that one month is purely for him to settle in the organization and learn the product. That is it. So, that uh, and we have this culture of uh, even for uh, higher levels, we have this culture that uh, all the team members are supposed to set their OKRs themselves. Now, when they are setting their OKRs themselves, that is one point where you understand how, how trained and educated he is with respect to the product.
2: And we might have so
1: they themselves, yeah.
2: We might have the executive levels coming from call centers, but we do have a VP of sales who is who has a lot of experience. He he had been running a yeah. he had been part of a SaaS company earlier, and so these the top level will do the call setting and uh, sales enablement. But uh, the entry level, the sales guys, the actual sales guys who are on the field and talking to customers are actually mostly from call centers. We hired a lot of people from tech companies as well. Uh, again, good English guys and uh, willing to do a lot of hard work. So recently when EdTech started going down, we hired a lot of people
0: from that. And uh, since you come from um, Ahmedabad, which is not like one of Bangalore, Delhi, Chennai or something like that, right? So. What are the pros and cons of uh, starting up in a, in a city like Ahmedabad? Like, meaning personally, I want uh, SaaS to be like a democratized and federated and not be concentrated in Chennai or Bangalore uh, for that matter, right? So like I would ideally, even in Tamil Nadu, I would love to see this in Madurai, Trichy and Coimbatore and you know those kind of places rather than be concentrated in Chennai. But in India, I see Ahmedabad is coming up well, Indore is doing well, uh, there is Nagpur, there is something in
1: There is Surat, Surat is, is developing really is also good. Well. Yeah. I think
0: in the recent SaaS there's a group of people came from Surat. Uh, so love to understand uh, what is the benefits of you being in a tier two uh, city like Ahmedabad and what are the challenges also, of course, both people would love to understand. So I'll take
1: the benefits first. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those uh, things which which were uh, which appeared to be challenges for us when we started the organization were turned out to be benefits actually mm. uh, i think uh, 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 starting from a very small fund people do it here uh, it is a very regular norm for people here that not get uh, not uh, raising a seed a b series and so on they start from a small fund and go frugal about it i think uh, that helped second uh, talent so as i as ankit rightly mentioned people here are hungry for uh, hard work which is rare to find they 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 all they tend to learn the hard way which gives the maximum uh, benefit to an organization and they are uh, they, they never have the uh, chance to get recognized that th- That helped for us. Being a small startup, uh, there was, uh, so we, so what, so what we do is all the team leads, they run their uh, independent shows here. So they are having, basically they run their own small companies here. So that created a culture where people had a lot of ownership and that team building was very, very helpful for us. So I think those two things really helped us coming from a Tier Two city, which were looking like uh, a bad place to be in back in twenty thirteen or uh, fourteen when we started. So those two things really helped. Sure. I
2: don't think we would. I don't think Suresh we would have come here had we had been in Bangalore. We would have got lost somewhere had we been in Bangalore or uh, probably Chennai. Chennai I don't I don't know about Chennai, but I'm sure we would have been lost in Bangalore. And the disadvantage is, of course, the founder support and the network, which is there in Chennai and which is there in Bangalore. So uh, at yeah. times you'll we'll miss it, but, uh, I don't think now, now I have access to people and probably because of SaaS movie, now I have access to people. I have friends like Dhruvil and, uh, Palla, who I can go to whenever, and then there is SaaS SGX growth, which is there and a lot of things which is happening because of SaaS movie that even smaller cities, uh, founders can actually learn, talk to people but then uh, when we started in 2014 and even in 2020 that support group was not there and that is what uh,
0: is uh, is the disadvantage
1: havoc today disadvantage
2: yeah. of working from Ahmedabad.
0: yeah i think you you hit it so nice the only disadvantage is the access to that network now it is getting solved yeah. with uh, Sazbumi coming up uh, yes. with this uh, chapter model but right. that is the biggest one the talent and other things people think it's a problem but it is not real problem in fact it is a blessing in disguise you you are you are sort of protected from all the poaching and all the right. you know head and, Absolutely. and people who are used to living in Ahmedabad, again they'll have to uproot their family they have to find the kids yes. uh, you know education and all that is a nonsense right if you relocate and culturally also see the kids that grew up in different environments they also learn uh, different uh, cultural uh, habits and everything right so.
1: so that is a big advantage actually so in ahmedabad the uh, family life is so beautiful here that uh, it is very it is not difficult to convince a person that he or, he or she will relocate here and you know uh, will uh, uh, establish here permanently because the uh, the kind of uh, uh, culture you see here it will not be seen. Maybe so. People are so fast-paced in Mumbai, in Delhi, that they don't have that time, that kind of time or patience uh, to give to give back. So another advantage, yes. The traveling is so easy here that you give, you work. Even if you work like sixteen hours, you still have those. Good uh, quality eight hours for your family full time. Yeah, otherwise,
0: you're losing so, four hours in travel in Bangalore. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so that is there. Either you take your family in the travel in the metro, you take your family along to spend some time there, maybe that. Uh, so also so yes, that is also,
0: also. tell us how you two become the co-founders. Uh, so, uh, Puresh, be- we
2: are we are husband and wife and married, and that's how we became
0: yeah. uh, co-founders. <laughs> I know that, but uh, typically, uh, you know i have rarely seen uh, there are very
1: it is difficult yeah it is difficult but but they're are are doing
0: it for Man street Dren, and uh, uh anand rarely is seen anywhere uh i hope when ashwini sees this video she's not going to scream at me but yeah Ash- <laughs> <laughs> So, but
1: so I told you now I don't do this more often. This is more of uh, Ankit's uh, thing. But you know, right uh, from the uh,
0: beginning you were together in the venture, or is it like you joined the venture in the middle, or how
1: is it? So we got so uh, yes, yes. yes so Ankit.
2: we got married. Yes. So we got married in 2012, and we started the company in 2014. For the first couple of years, Surasini is a qualified CS year, so. She take care of all the money in the company and if someone's salary is not processed, it's because of swasties uh, and I'm not responsible for it. Uh, but uh, yeah, for the first couple of years, she was less active. We were having our first child and uh, once our first child was about three years, she started becoming active. She became active and then then we also had two products then in 2017, software sales in and then uh, she became more active.
1: So when what? call hippo was born i think pretty much it came under my it just came under my umbrella so he could give more time to call hippo and that is how then then things were decided and at the end of the day it's okay everybody knows who, who's got the veto so that was <laughs> yeah.
0: but but you know like um you'll be doing stuff together at work and then go back to home again the same you know work stuff comes up uh the, i mean, is it
1: So we tried that. (laughs) I I know where you're going. We tried that, you know, that after we are back home and we'll not, let's switch off that plug. But being an entrepreneur, I think that plug never switches off. And I think uh, both of us uh, being co-founders, that gives an advantage because both of us knows that you cannot switch it off. So that that never comes in discussion because now there's a mutual understanding and agreement that do not think of... uh, going off and on with respect to work in home that never happens and uh, one more advantage is there's is a lot of trust because he doesn't have an option he has to have that trust and because of that trust a lot of things go on smoothly which uh, which when i talk to other founders i understand that uh, so there are times when uh, i'll be making some call which he's not able to understand but because he knows me in and out He knows he needs to give me that space to take that call. There is no other option and the rift is never there. So I think that helps being a a spouse and a co-founder.
0: That's great. This naturally leads us into our next question. I think we um, we have like another three, four minutes to go. Um, Culture for the company, right? You talked about individually how you guys are managing, but also one of the... Top priorities in KISS Flow is that, um, in, for example, in our hiring, we have a specific uh, round of interview called uh, culture uh, fit. So, so, for senior people, we do the culture fit first. So, like, I do the, uh, if I'm hiring anybody from director and above, I do like a profiling, which is, is, it like a broad fit? For, and then I give it to my culture uh, round. And then the technical round itself starts. We don't waste time on technical round before the culture round. But for junior people, it's the last round because there it's a different because the senior people can play a lot of role in shaping the career, right? They're pretty much in charge of 20, 30 people. Then they can pretty much uh, change the character of the company. So similarly, I'm asking what is what is your. Culture strategy, or how do you take it, and how do you handle it? Uh, it would be nice to understand that. Now
2: you want to go, Vashni? Yeah.
1: So I can, uh, so I can keep uh, talking about it. So uh, it is little similar for juniors. The culture round, we do have a separate culture round for every hiring we do. Uh, and- it is an HR slash culture round, and uh, for juniors, uh, it is always the last mm-hmm. step because I think it makes it more uh, more, more, effective because they, uh, they, are, they, are, they are the ones who are to be adapted into that culture and not maybe uh, defining the culture. Not, they are not responsible for changing the culture of the org. And for seniors, uh, the culture round is somewhere where we find that... Uh, so maybe a small basic round is there to understand whether he or she has the right knowledge or not. And then the culture round happens, which me and Ankit, we jointly take because uh, uh, it is very important uh, for uh, that uh, top uh, level to be uh, to understand that w- from where are we coming and what kind of uh, what kind of uh, expectation we have for him or her to manage the team so we are very um, we uh, aim at uh, increasing the wealth of the uh, team members that is our aim right uh, from the past two years uh, it has we have changed the organization in making the team leaders understand that you need to increase the wealth of your team that is how it is to be done the, if they aim on increasing the wealth of the team members i think the culture automatically revolves around this ankit you want to add something
0: and i think sure yeah, I, would, I would actually instead of more than explanation i would like to know some anecdotal stories of uh like how you prioritized culture see a lot of people talk about culture but then when it comes to like i'll give you an example so we had a team in a particular region um, which was doing reasonably well in sales it's performing well and it was but we decided to let them go because we basically felt they are messing around our culture and they are becoming more like a very aggressive culture, like win at any cost kind of a culture without and spoiling any, everybody's morale. As long as they get their thing done and they win anything and squeeze everybody else, you know, scream at people, all these things, as long as they win it, it's fine. Right. And they call it as high performance culture. Okay. Like they, they keep, tell, they told me like this, is what they're used to in their previous companies, but that didn't fit for us. So we said, these are all expensive resources. And we said, no, boss, it's not working. And we said, uh, fine. Uh, so I'm, I want examples, so I, sh- examples like this sh- from sh- a culture sh- angle.
1: <laughs> a person who has worked with us for a starting of maybe 7 to 10 days, he or she will immediately understand that shouting or you know uh, uh, giving ultimatums or uh, just thrashing the target this doesn't work here it is not what we do and that so that how does he or she understand this uh the first seven or ten days he's they are supposed to talk to any and every team member they randomly pick from the company and when they talk they understand this is a no-goer from the start so even if you are doing three um, x of your uh, targets if you are trying to, you know, do that, that, you know, my team is supposed to wake up in the morning, get a call from me, hear some bad foul language and still they would they don't do. That doesn't work here. So it is, so when you were telling me this, it, it is very alien to me. It is still very alien to me because that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't gel up here at all. It's, you know,
0: is, so maybe meeting It us, is true, but it's, I I'm not, uh, all I'm saying is sometimes we we cannot be perfect in our all our hiring decisions. Uh, of
1: course. Correct. Yeah, of course.
2: <laughs> then you remove you don't have a and, that is so true. I mean we a lot of time we fail in the hiring decision. We remove the person. It's no. not possible to judge someone in a yeah. that's the question I'm
0: asking. See, it's easy. see as founders or as I management team, it's easy to fire someone for uh, performance right? And the most easiest thing to fire is no culture, no performance is easy to fire. <laughs> right? It's very easy to fire. Yeah. Second easy to fire is no performance also is easy to, easy to fire. The most difficult thing to fire is good performance or even acceptable performance, but culture is bad.
2: So it's it's about short term versus long term, right? Uh, Suresh? if you don't have the culture, if you don't have the right culture, the team as such, the team as a whole will not perform. So if, if the sales team starts coming and blaming the marketing team and not all team are going to perform at all particular point in time. If, if, uh, if the marketing team, if there is some issue with our marketing team, the sales has to step up and uh, ensure that we still get the same amount of revenue. If there is some problem with uh, sales then marketing has to step up and that keeps on going. If you have people who are blaming each other, if, uh, if they are not supporting, then it might be some short term revenue, but in the longer run, People will not perform if even if there's a small team where the team leader is not culturally fit and they are uh, probably uh, uh, sending random mails, scaring people that uh, they will be fired, uh, calling up at 6 a.m. in the morning and starting with uh, all the foul languages. uh, Eventually the junior guys are not going to perform and it might be a short term revenue for you, but uh, in the longer run, that's going to disappear. So I think it's better to fire. we have done a done it a couple of times, so uh, we. I, I I don't want to
0: tell anecdotes because I, you know, I I don't have to tell names. But I understand. You know, as long as I think, uh, see, that is where people say, right, put the food where the mouth, you know, put the mouth with the sorry, food where the mouth is. Uh, so that as long as you are doing that, that is a nice to hear. Because otherwise people talk a lot about culture and, and finally when it is um, when rubber hits the road it's not actionable right it's not actioned. Uh, last question i think we are already like four or five minutes uh, over the time what's meaning it's a fantastic journey pure inbound inside sales built from india gone global 40 revenue is coming from us very small team because uh, size uh, size of the team to revenue ratio is pretty good. Per employee contribution is good. Built from tier two city. Two co-founders, husband and wife combo. Amazing, ama- amazing, amazing story, guys, and you know, fantastic to to listen to you guys. Where are you headed from here? What's your next three to five years vision for Call Hippo?
2: Uh, So financially, uh, Suresh, we want to become IPO ready by 2029, but that's not our main North Star. Our main North Star has always been towards the team, happiness and uh, wealth for the team. So I, I don't know. So we give about, and we have been running this organization from a more of a stakeholder point of view, not a shareholder point of view. So we give about half a percent of our revenue to charity and we are not in the government charity thing. And we have been doing that since 2015. Uh, So the entire north star of the organization has always been to ensure that all of our team members move to society level up. So I think everyone is in one society level and if you can actually move them to society level up, we have done our job. So that's the entire and I don't think we are there yet. But next uh, three five years. And, but that's
1: the motive. I that's yeah. the motive. And we are yeah. going pretty much. Yeah, we are going to always
2: work for towards that. That's the entire north star of this organization.
0: Okay, man.
1: So recently, I think our tech lead uh, took a new home uh, and a new car, and that really pumped us. That yes, uh, so maybe we are doing something in the right direction. So that that thing that's that this,
2: that. This I, Media. yeah before we and i tell i will tell you i actually i did not cry when i we had a nice expensive car i actually cried when my first team member got his first car, uh, car. so that made me more happy yeah,
0: yeah that's that's fantastic i can totally uh, totally resonate with this and i think uh, 2029 ipo that's a that's a massive audacious ad- goal i wish both of you the very best and the entire uh, you know, call Hippo team uh, towards this great uh, milestone. Um, thanks, guys. I, I enjoy talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Suresh.
1: Thank you so much, Kuru, Suresh. Thank you for having us. Bye-bye.
0: Hi, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback to hello at sasboomi.com. You can access this and all other episodes of Sasbumi's podcast at www.sasbumi.com. Sasbumi is spelled as S A A S B O O M I.com. Sasbumi.com. There is no H there. Until next time, this is Suresh
1: signing off from here. Bye bye.